Welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast, where we have great conversations with unity-minded Christians. Our goal is to encourage unity of the Spirit within the Stone Campbell Movement and beyond. We believe unity starts with a cup of coffee. So grab a cup and join us as we seek to fulfill Jesus' prayer that we may all be one. And now... Here are your co-hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. We're glad you joined us for another conversation. Our mission on this podcast is to have good dialogue and discussion and also to, to introduce uh, you, our, our listeners, to people within uh, the various streams of the Stone Campbell movement to just expand our network of people and resources and to better partner together. So we have a great guest to introduce to many of you today. Many of you will know him, uh, but for those who don't, I'll introduce him in just a moment. Before I do that, I want to take a moment and introduce our co-host for today. Uh, Toma Edgy is the founder of Image Bearers, which is a YouTube channel that's dedicated to sharing good news about God's kingdom and to help inspire people to honor him with their lives. Uh, he also uh, makes it his goal and mission on that podcast to to meet and learn from some great authors and thought leaders. And Atoma and his wife, Rhoda, they just enjoy life and enjoy having fun together and serving God. He's currently uh, researching his first book titled Image Bearers. So we'll look forward to the release of that book. Uh, in the late 90s, he was fortunate enough to be a missionary to Malawi and Lesotho, Africa. So Atoma, welcome, and just you know, give us your elevator speech about what you do on Image Bearers. Let our listeners know a little bit more about that and where to find you. Yeah, so you can just find me on YouTube if you just type in uh, Atoma Edgy. My first name is O-T-O-M-A. My last name is E-D-J-E, and that should pop up. So uh, basically uh, what I do is I uh, bug people like uh, Douglas Jacoby and others who have written uh, many great books and also are thought leaders in uh, this space to really just learn how we can really just represent God in this world. And so, um, you know, I know um, some years back, I guess a couple years back, Michael Burns wrote a book, a few books, and, and he kind of emphasized this term image bearers. And obviously it's in the Bible, but I just felt like expounding upon it more. So that's kind of how my uh, YouTube channel came about. It's been going for about three years right now had some uh, great guests on and have learned some great things. So, yep. Well, me. terrific, Atoma. We're so glad to have you co-hosting uh, with me today and and helping to lead this discussion with our, our guests. So, folks, again, check out Image Bearers on YouTube. Um, I want to introduce our guest today. Uh, Douglas Jacoby is a Bible teacher who has served as a minister on church staff for 20 years in London, Birmingham, Sydney, Stockholm, and then uh, domestically in the United States and Philadelphia, Indianapolis, and Washington, D.C. Uh, since 2003, he's worked as a freelance teacher and consultant. He's engaged in a number of public debates on uh, areas ranging from Islam and atheism and theology to Judaism. He currently serves as an adjunct professor of theology at Lincoln Christian University and professor of theology in the Rocky Mountain School of Theology and Ministry. He's got degrees from Drew, Harvard, and Duke. He's written 35 books, recorded nearly 900 podcasts, and spoken in over 100 
universities and in over 500 cities in 126 nations around the world. He's led 25 tours to the biblical world. And between all of that, he relaxes. No, I'm just kidding with you there, Douglas. Well, that's a full <laughs> schedule and a full life. The Jacobies, they've got three adult children, Douglas and his wife, Vicki. They reside in Edinburgh, Scotland. So, Douglas, welcome to the Common Grounds Unity Podcast. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate it. And thank you, Otoma. It's good to be with you again. Oh, man. Well, we'll go, go ahead and start out with the uh, first question. Again, it's uh, great to cross paths with you again, uh, Dr. Jacoby. I guess we'll just call you uh, Douglas, if that's okay for this yes, episode. Thank you. And uh, so, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, your ministry, and uh, really just your spiritual journey. Uh, well, um, my spiritual journey began, I guess, in the uh, year or two before I went to university. I started at Duke, and I was invited to come to a small group Bible discussion about 24 hours after uh, matriculating at Duke. So I was pretty ripe. I was pretty ready. Uh, so I became a Christian um, uh, in my first semester, and I'm very glad for that. Uh, I was in university for five years and then uh, moved to Europe with a London mission planting, which was a great blessing. And, and my wife is British, and I, we have these connections all over the world. Uh, but um, I was on staff with the church for 20 years, and for the last, it's been close to 20 years now, I've been independent, although I'm doing a lot of the same things. In terms, if I had an elevator speech, and I even tried this because I never know what to say, I described myself to one of my neighbors I recently met. I said, well, I'm a theologian. Not everyone knows what that word is, but the point is to make people think about God. And that can be done in many ways. For example, I have a YouTube channel uh, with the iFaith messages, 120 mini sermons going uh, throughout the whole Bible, which is uh, primarily for the use of underground churches in Asia, but it works anywhere. And I've got a podcast that comes out three times a week. A lot of the technology that we've all become more and more familiar with has been part of the ministry. Uh, but um, love being back in Europe, uh, all the connections and the friends. And uh, again, thank you uh, for the invitation to the interview today. Douglas, just tell us a little bit more about those resources you mentioned, those websites and podcasts. Where can people find those? Oh, okay. Douglas um, Jacoby, or for the United States, douglasjacoby.com. And that's a website with about 10,000 pages. Uh, my podcast, the Douglas Jacoby podcast, you can find wherever you go to get your podcast. Like maybe it's uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, but it's there. Um, I've got a number of books, mainly with um, IPI, but also with Harvest House, some with Morgan James. And... Uh, yeah, they're like eight. I guess I have eight part-time jobs. Another one of them is leading <laughs> tours to the biblical world. Uh, we've got one coming up in a few weeks to Turkey and a few months later to Israel. And a little later on next year, will be to Malta, Paul's prison journey, Malta, Sicily, Italy. So um, I network a lot with scholars, with archaeologists, with university professors in the Stone Campbell movement and outside. And um, that's been a great blessing. And I consider myself a lifelong learner. Probably if you're listening uh, to this uh, podcast today, you're in that same position. You want to keep learning. You don't want your brain to turn to mush or to atrophy. And to me, it's so exciting. Since, you know, the word disciple means a student. It means pupil. And that's, that's what we want to be, disciples of Jesus primarily. But that means we're in a learning mode. So, Douglas, back in 2003, you shifted from congregational ministry and leadership to this freelance teaching ministry. Tell us a little bit about the transition, why you made that transition, and, and 
saw what mm. you're doing now as, as an important next chapter. And for those that are unfamiliar with your work, you've told us just a little. Give us a big picture of your teaching ministry. Well, let me start with the second question. The big picture is I'm mortal. I'm not going to live forever in this body, on this planet. And uh, I'm not essential. No one's indispensable. So more and more, I'd say particularly in the last 20 years or so, uh, I've worked hard to network with men and women who seem to have gifts of teaching or clarity of thought or they're writers and try to encourage uh, dozens of people around the world. So it's not about me. I do a lot of things that others may not be called to do. And I don't think every uh, teacher has to be uh, someone who uses Greek every day. We have different strengths and different interests. But uh, my vision is, is definitely global, uh, and I'm, I'm trying to be encouraging as much as I can. I just came back from a conference in Eastern Europe a few days ago in Estonia. This was for European teaching ministry, although we have people there from Africa and North America as well. Uh, so awful lot of networking and talking. And on an airplane, sometimes, sometimes people ask me, what do I do? And I just say, I try to help people to think about faith, just to think. And that, that goes down pretty well. Or should I say something about the transition? My transition probably began in the late 80s. I was doing more and more of uh, preaching and teaching of evidences, particularly in Asia. And increasingly, people said, you know, you could do this. If that's all you did, it would have a big impact. At the time, we were uh, living in Sweden. Uh, we were there for just over three years. And I realized we, we've got to do something. We're, um, we're growing. We're baptizing a lot of people. Most, uh, most people don't really know much Bible, and there's a huge need also for Christian evidences. And so I asked if uh, I could have funding to be a teacher, and I was supported in that. And we moved to the United States. It was the That's first awesome. time for my wife, um, and that was in 92. And I started traveling a lot more. It probably um, 90 days a year. It, eventually, it would be much more than that. But uh, initially, because I was responsible for church regions or for groups of churches, uh, kept it uh, smaller. Uh, and then, so that was in the early 90s. By 01, 02, I was very much in that teacher role doing most everything I'm doing now, actually. And so when uh, church employment ended, I was able, I was surprised, but I was able to actually keep doing most of those things. And my failsafe, at that time we lived in Australia, uh, my backup plan was I'll apply to some school to be a Latin and Greek teacher. I thought at least I can get a job. Uh, but we, uh, we ended up coming back from Australia to the States and, and realized after a while, we don't need to work with the church in order to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And in, in fact, in some ways, it's 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 even preferable uh, to be to mm -hmm. be freelance, and it allows me to have many more connections, many more relationships. So that transition started about ten years or more before '03, and then it was uh, there were some challenging times financially the first couple of years until the teaching ministry got on its feet. But it's a it's pretty good. Lots of volunteers and part time employees and uh, affiliates and people all over the world. So it's a uh, kind of a complicated organism to describe. That's awesome. I, uh, <clears throat> at some point, we'll have to uh, plumb that a little bit more. And just uh, perhaps for those that might like to, you know, get their own ministry started, you know, what's involved with that. But we won't go too much into that right right now. But I'm sure that's a very interesting topic. 
So um, just shifting gears a little bit. So I know for um, a number of years, you've been involved, obviously, with the Stone Campbell movement, specifically, you know, debating with and collaborating with uh, members within, you know, obviously the restoration movement here. And, you know, we have distinct groups, uh, whether it's Disciples of Christ, whether it's, you know, Church of Christ, uh, ICOC, what have you. And I think there can be this uh, desire to, quote, stay in our lane and not want to be too involved with other groups, even though we may see people, you know, uh, as saved in other groups. But at the same time, this fear that, you know, if we start mixing too much with others, then our doctrinal purity might, you know, get compromised. What uh, what are some thoughts you can add to that to encourage people to keep building relationships and so forth? Well, that's good. My first thought, maybe it's a bit too snappy, is what doctrinal purity? <laughs> You're assuming that we we're balanced, which I never assume that I'm balanced. Pure, purity of doctrine. Um, we need to be better Bible students. I'll talk about that later on. Uh, but yeah, uh, since particularly since '06. Uh, when I st- first started deliberately collaborating with and, and having people in other parts of the Stone Campbell movement speak in my, uh, yeah, in my programs, uh, I've been pretty intentional about that. And that led to, uh, uh, through a, a good brother from a Christian church background. He's an elder in Denver, Glenn Giles, it led to becoming an adjunct professor at Lincoln Christian University, which is affiliated yeah. with the Christian church. And that was about nine years ago. And that's been uh, really encouraging. And since then, I've met an awful lot of people in the Christian church and churches of Christ and probably made more effort to pursue those relationships, at least since, since 03. Um, of course, I'm not to say that we're not the only Christians. There's another part of the restoration movement that also has Christians and that's it for the planet. Uh, I think that's not really accurate. And I, I really appreciated something I was advised as a young Christian with questions about, let's say, people's commitment or their salvation. And I remember my campus minister said, what we've tried to emphasize is that we're Christians only, but not the only Christians. Now, I've heard a lot of people use that slogan, we're Christians only, but not the only Christians. But they seem to mean that we're only Christians in principle. Uh, That's all we're trying to do. And in principle, there are other Christians, but they couldn't name one. <laughs> they never actually met any, <laughs> like a, some a theoretical <laughs> thing. And if you ever meet one, don't get too close to them. Definitely don't marry them. What, even if they think the same, even if Jesus is their Lord? Yeah, that's too risky. I think this has led to a kind of inbreeding, too much marrying the cousins and the sisters and the brothers. Mm-hmm. And we will really benefit from looking outside more and uh, certainly in, in the Stone Campbell movement. Uh, it seems silly. These are our cousins. I, I would say they're our brothers, but uh, from an, in an analogy, these are cousins. We may not have spent a lot of time with them, but we're you know we have an awful lot in common. But we get anxious. Jesus's own disciples in Mark nine and Luke nine they got anxious when there were people doing great things outside of their particular tribe. And Jesus basically says, "Relax, uh, cool it. It, it. It's okay." Uh, we don't have to worry about that. But what I look for, and I think this is something that Alexander Campbell articulated um, well over a century and a half ago, what I'm looking for is the image of Christ in somebody. Hmm. It's not, well, where do you stand on these seven doctrines or where do you attend church? 
is God moving in your life? Is Jesus actually, do I see Jesus in your life? And often a church leader will ask, well, what do I do with this person? He, he's like a better Christian than our Christians. And I say, well, <laughs> if, if this person's presence in your group would be an upward call to your ministry, then maybe you shouldn't just say, oh, but he's not a real Christian. Because that's, it's quite uh, contradictory to say, oh, yes, his or her presence would help us all spiritually, no end, but no, we can't let them in because they think differently on some things. So that may be a bit of a radical statement uh, for some, but if we see the image of Christ in another person, uh, we should think long and hard before we pronounce a judgment. So, yeah, so in, that's a, go ahead, Kevin. And in a sense, looking at fruit more than checking off a, uh, a, a list of, of doctrinal positions. Yes. And the fruit of the Spirit, which I admit as a young Christian, and maybe you guys did too, we thought, well, that's nice to be, have love and joy and peace, but I don't need that to be committed to the mission. I, I'll, I'll just, you know, what we need is sacrifice and more self-denial and less sleep and more courage. <laughs> and well, sometimes there's no choice about those things. But the fruit of the Spirit are not just for uh, a certain personality, a certain kind of Christian. And they're not, certainly not just for women. These are for, these are for Christian men. This is for anyone following Christ. And mm-hmm. that fruit of the Spirit is a, the clearest indication that someone's following the Spirit and not following the flesh. So how about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, and I think one of the great things that uh, Common Grounds does is they have these uh, gatherings, as I'm sure yeah. many people that are listening know and are aware of. And I think that's a great way to actually get to know people. I know there's challenges with COVID, but I think that's a great way to really, you know, to actually get to know people and not have these assumptions about this group or that group and making some great generalizations. So I think this should be definitely approached with great wisdom. But I do think that, you know, having rules that are put up that are just arbitrary and we, you know, uh, assign a certain a group uh, everyone in that group, a certain level of faith or character is, is not right. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you, Otoma. It reminds me that the early restoration movement had twin agenda. It was, yes, to restore the original faith, the apostolic faith, but it was also to build Christian unity. And in time, of course, that, that goal of unity was eclipsed uh, entirely. There have been a lot of great books written on this. One that's not out yet, but it'll be out soon is Jack Reese um, at the Blue Hole. He does a, a former professor at Abilene Christian does a terrific job explaining, um, you know, our DNA and how uh, how these different emphases have waned or, or waxed through the years. Uh, but the idea that we're at, we're looking for Christian unity got subverted, and it was more okay. You're unified if you match up with every one of our doctrines. Else, otherwise, one of us is a false teacher, and that was not. It was there in the beginning. There was a bit of that, but that was not the dominant feel in the early restoration movement. And John, I think you've studied this a lot. You would agree with that? Yeah, it, you know, it really, really seems like we allowed those, uh, those ideas of restoration and unity to kind of become competing forces against one another. Yeah. This idea of returning to the pure streams and yet attempting to unify believers who just want to follow Christ. So right. well, it, it is the Stone yeah. Campbell movement, not just the, the Campbell or the Stone movement. I mean, they did come together. I think they provided a great, a great example, even their beginnings. Well, they were they had such different views on 
multiple issues and this was the, the last day of 1831, 1832. Now they're worshiping together, though they have different views on so many things. You, you would think they should have been separate denominations five times over. Mm -hmm. uh, but we just, we don't do well with that. We don't do well with uh, just focusing on the Lordship of Jesus and, and being willing to disagree. I mean, I was recently told, yeah, well, we'll, we'll want you to speak in our church and you can do more once you're unified with what we teach. And I go, hang on, <laughs> Christian unity. Okay. Okay. If I'm teaching Krishna and you're teaching Jesus, that, that's a fair statement. But if you mean we have a different take on leadership or we have a different view of say the woman's role or something that to say that though we're not we can't be unified as brothers because you have a different view that's crazy i mean unity means there is disagreement it means we stay connected even though of course we have different opinions yet there are a lot of people in the restoration movement not just the icoc but you know who think that no you, you've got to be right on everything which is uh well it's a noble goal to try to be right on everything but if you think you are um you know, you, you haven't studied history or even that much Bible. That's bigotry. So so for somebody who asks you, you know, what, what is that core that that we, we need to adhere to for there to be unity? How, how big in your mind is that core? How narrow is that core? Mm. Well, I've always thought that the passage we call the seven unities of the faith is is quite useful uh, in Ephesians four. Mm -hmm. So there's there's one spirit, there's one hope, the hope of the resurrection of the dead. Uh, there's you know one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. You know that passage. So we're talking about some pretty basic things. Differences over uh, church leadership or polity, or or uh, differences uh, when it comes to men and women in, in leadership. Uh, differences. Uh, well, I mean there could be all kinds of things. Uh, these. It's not that it's wrong to have a view, but too often people have strong views without supporting evidence, mm. or they make their strong views uh, essential for fellowship. You have to agree with me or you can't be saved. And I, I understand that as a younger Christian, that was exactly what I did. Um, and it made me feel good about myself. Look, I'm right on all these things and look how few people agree with me on everything. And I found, found that somewhat empowering. I'm part of this small elite. Now I have a different view, not less love for the truth, but more, let's say I've changed my mind on enough things now that uh, I'm skeptical when someone says, yeah, our church has it figured out. We're right on everything. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, and hope, hopefully what we're doing here, Douglas, is <clears throat> helping people to hear one another. And there's nothing threatening. You know, there, there's, there's no, hey, you've got to come over and teach this in our church or... We, we've got to accept everything you're saying. Hopefully we're modeling how we can have some of these dialogues and see that there are faithful Christians who hold different positions right. on different things. And yet we're in Christ, which is the main thing. You know, the, the church in every generation faces struggles with unity. <clears throat> and as you look at things in your view, um, what, what are the things that you see currently as major issues threatening this goal of unity for our time? Uh, both in the Stone Campbell movement and, and the broader Christian faith? Mm. Such an important question. Well, I, I can think of two things right now that I think are huge. Uh, I remember being, I was asked this question at a teaching jubilee in Boston. And this was back in 1998. I think that was the year 
what do I think was the greatest threat to our unity uh, to, I said materialism. And I still think that's mm. huge. When I say materialism, I mean, the we spend so much time and energy, uh, spend money to maintain a certain lifestyle. We were very influenced by advertising. We, we, we want to have a great life ourselves. We're not so concerned with the poor, especially in other countries. But materialism, which the New Testament calls greed, uh, is a, it's just it's it's toxic. Uh, so I haven't changed my mind on that one. But another one that was probably there all along, but I've seen it much more the last uh, two years or so. How do I put this in a word? Maybe ego. Right now, there are all these issues being debated, you know, gender differences and race issues and so matters of social justice and Messianic Judaism, all kinds of topics. And there's so many experts. And I, I talked to the experts. This is tongue in cheek. I talked to the experts <laughs> and I found out that they read half of a book on a certain topic or they visited a certain website. And now they, they're authorities. And this is something the, the World Wide Web, the downside in a way, um, we have access to all this information and so many people, they don't actually, they've not been trained even how to interpret scripture, but they have iron cast views on a number of issues to make it worse. They don't listen, but then they judge everyone who disagrees with them. It's not civil. It's not unifying. Um, it's very divisive. And uh, I'm not saying people should agree with one side or another, or if there's a third side, they should agree with them. I'm just saying there's a way it's Christians. We're supposed to interact with mm. respect and humility comes when we realize, you know, I don't really know that much about what I'm talking about compared to some other people. So either I need to learn more or uh, just be quiet or maybe just drop it <laughs> entirely. <laughs> but yeah, I think there's, there's a lot of ego right now. And uh, as you brothers are all involved with interviewing and uh, putting out feelers and, and trying to take the pulse, I know you've experienced that, but it, we live in a very different world than the one in which we were baptized. At least I did back in the 70s. This was long before the internet made us all experts on everything. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, uh, you know, being an expert or pretending to be an expert is a very dangerous thing. Um, and I think at the same time, trying to navigate things that may seem clear uh, is 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 something that we're going to definitely need some help on. I do think though, just switching gears a little bit. So one of the things that I've at least seen over the last couple of years, I would say is perhaps the, I'm kind of relooking at maybe our study series and just how we teach in general. And one of the things that I'm, I'm seeing is a lot of things are, at least from my vantage point, appear to be like for the individual and looking at scripture, it's more like collective uh, you know, faith is more collective in a community base. And so I guess just with that, do you think that we should uh, modify how we teach in any way that's more towards like an Eastern mindset, more collectivist versus individualist, and even just more emphasis on the gospel? What What are your thoughts? Yeah, the, the church is not a baptism factory. If you've not heard that phrase, I haven't either, but I'm sure you know what I mean. <laughs> sure. You've coined it. It's a good <laughs> yeah. Not that we shouldn't be involved with the lost and sharing the word and baptizing them. That's one of the greatest joys of our lives to be able to do that. Now, that's key. And I'll I'm never going to give that up. But yes, of course, things were more communal. The, the first century culture was 
it's more like think rural India, mm-hmm. um, you know, rural Africa maybe much more like that. We're we're more Western, we're more technological, yeah, technological, and um, one of the unintended uh, consequences of the Protestant Reformation, many books have been written on this, is was the rise of individualism, the focus on the potential and the importance of the individual. Well, right. that's true. I mean, that's, that's very good. But in the Bible, it's both. Uh, it's, it's individual and collective. And, mm-hmm. you know, like even the Great Commission, that's a commission given to the church. But if you look at how that was lived out in early church history or in the, the New Testament or the book of Acts, you'll see that, oh, different people play different roles. Or as Paul put it in 1 Corinthians 3, some water, some uh, plant seeds, some help you know, with the harvest itself as people with more expertise. But a mature Christian does not resemble another mature Christian except in one area, and that's they look more and more like Christ. But how they contribute to the Great Commission or any other important uh, aspect of Jesus' commands, how they contribute, that'll look different depending on the person. So if we think of ourselves as a team, we won't be thinking, oh, well, unless you're really good at talking to people and you're really confident or no, no, you'll never advance. You won't rise up. Well, that, that's not encouraging. And that leads to a culture where, where very few people can be leaders. Very few people will ever work for a church. Um, and, and so those who aren't are kind of second class. And we would call that clergy and laity. Right. Uh, so to avoid that, we need to be a bit more Eastern. On the other hand, be careful. A lot of stuff is written on this that I think goes goes too far. Um, no, I have another thought on that if you if we have time. Yes, yeah, sure. Yeah. We, so in most traditional cultures, they're cultures of honor and shame more than yeah. you know guilt and uh, you know here in the West. And that's something to appreciate. If someone loses faith, if someone is shamed, that is significant. And we see this in the New Testament. There are certain passages. And yet there is such thing as sin. It's not just uh, guilt as a feeling. There's an actual thing called sin where you are guilty. It's a a real status where we are guilty before God. And shame and guilt are not the same thing. And Mm -hmm. honor and virtue are not the same. We could be honored by people even if we have very little virtue. So, yes, we should pay attention to the way cultures work, and anthropologists and experts in missiology help us with that. But that doesn't mean we we give up the concept of sin and repentance. It doesn't mean we we give up virtue and vice. No, no, it's just about people's social status, where they stand or how they feel. It all becomes about psychology or or municipal government or something. Mm-hmm. So I think we have to be careful with this, but but yet, of course you're right. There's much more of a collective mindset than individual, and if we read the scriptures with that in mind, I think it's quite freeing. Yeah, Thank you know, you we we tend to call people that individual Bible study. You know, have your your quiet time in the morning. You know, you look at back at back at those New Testament Christians, and they heard these letters read as a group and you kind of imagine them sitting and discussing the letters and talking about the content and asking, how do we apply this in our setting? And uh, maybe we need to find more ways of, of doing that as well as encouraging individual study. Boy, great. We, we could explore that con- uh, conversation for some time. Hmm. Uh, Douglas, we're going to have to come to the end of this particular podcast, but you're going to rejoin us for another 
Um, before we end, I, I want to ask, you know, what's in the future for you? Any major goals or projects you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, well, um, I mean, we're, we're living, we're back in Europe. We, we committed to be here for five years or maybe a bit more. And eventually, presumably, we'll come back to the States. Uh, but what will happen between now and then, I have no idea. These are COVID times. Uh, we still don't have in-person church services. Everything's online. And um, so I'm not sure. Uh, there are things I'm working on. I've got a, a book called Amen, Collected Prayers and Hymns for the Journey that should be coming out hopefully soon. A, a, another book on Ezekiel, uh, a, a little book on Messianic Judaism. I've always got projects that, that usually come from my own quiet times or personal study. Um, uh, I'm committed to the podcast and I'm committed to a lot of other things, but, um, goals and projects. Yeah. Some, some of them are academic, some of them are more personal. Uh, but, um, uh, for the most part, I just want to learn God's word better. I mean, I've read the Bible a lot of times, but, um, every time I preach or teach, I take it very seriously, um, with preparation and, and hopefully heart. So, mm. but I really don't. As someone said, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future. And I feel very much that way right now. That describes my wife and my wife's life and mine here in Scotland. Well, we, we have been blessed by this conversation and the things you've shared. I, I want to just remind our listeners again where to find your resources. I, again, at douglasjacobi.com, uh, correct? That's right. And okay, so so I, I take it all of your books, your podcasts, and and various resources can be found there. Yeah, yeah. If you want to join a tour or maybe look at one of the debates, um, yeah, it's there. Send a Terrific. question. Terrific. Well, we look forward to having you back with us again for our next podcast. So we'll have Douglas back. Uh, Atoma, so good to have you with us. And again, Atoma, yes. he. Uh, has a YouTube channel, Image Bearers. I hope you'll stop by there and check out some of the great interviews he's done. Atoma, good to have you with us. Yep, good to be here. All right, well, folks, we hope you'll join us again next time for another good discussion. In the meantime, um, Atoma mentioned earlier in this podcast uh, Common Ground Unity Gatherings. And let me just say I'm blessed by my own uh, that I, I gather with here in San Diego County, um, just developing some rich relationships and a broader fellowship with brothers and sisters. And just want to encourage you as, as a listener, start a gathering in your community. Nothing hard about it. Just uh, make a phone call to a couple of folks in churches around your area, get together at a coffee shop and start some good conversation. We hope you'll be back with us next time for another episode of the Common Ground Unity podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the Common Ground Unity podcast. Please check out commongroundunity.org to learn more about who we are. There are plenty of resources and you can subscribe to the weekly email articles, join the Facebook group, or find our YouTube channel. We've also provided a link in the show notes for comments you can ask questions or suggest topics and guests. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do that too through the show notes or on our website. Until next time, God bless. And remember, unity starts with a cup of coffee.